Um, for those of you I don't know yet, uh, my name is Roland and I'm the pastor here, but let me um, just start by saying what an exciting uh, weekend it is, not only this weekend, but uh, also next weekend. Next weekend we have um, actually one of our special guests, somebody who's actually paid for the church and um, been a part of sowing into the church um, through preaching and prophesying and otherwise um, for the past several uh, years. Um, his name's Peter Aline. How many of you remember uh, Peter Aline? Okay, so Peter Aline is actually going to uh, be here with us uh, next week to uh, deliver a message and encourage us uh, with the Word of God, and so um, you can get ready for that. Um, but this weekend, let me also say that it's a very exciting time because my brother came strong. Listen, man, Corey and Brittany are now engaged. Can you give it up for Corey and Brittany? <laughs> yeah, yes, came strong. <laughs> That dude, he got baptized last week. He was like, I'm going to make my commitment to Jesus, and then I'm going to go right after and make my commitment to Brittany. And so it's exciting and good, and we're so excited to uh, um, celebrate them. So get ready, you know, um, show some love, because uh, Corey sure is. So with that in mind, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's go into it today. We're actually going to begin a new series that we have uh, for the summer months, and it's going to be one that we break up with the uh, special guest speakers, but it's a constant theme, so it's going to be easy to follow. And let me just already say, does anybody feel better in here today? You know, like feel like it's not as hot and you're not like in the, on the precipice of hell? Okay, so <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. Feels better today. So God, God loves us. That's a, that's a sign and a wonder. So with, without that, um, with that in mind, we're going to start our new series called What's Love Got to Do With It? Okay? And for any of you who are older, <laughs> who are older than uh, a 90s baby, you may remember a woman um, named Tina Turner. Anybody remember Tina Turner? Okay, you might have even YouTube Tina Turner. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> she is like the perennial young person. <laughs> and uh, she, I don't know what she's in, like her 70s, 80s now, but she's still going strong. And the thing about it is, is that um, we're going to talk through the, um, not the gospel, but the epistle of 1 John, because John, I love, was called the disciple or the apostle of love. Um, a lot of times uh, his messages were consistent. His messages were repeated over and over again in all of his teachings and all of his writings, so much so that he talked so much about love that many of the people um, came up to him who were followers of his in following Christ. And they said, hey, John, why do you talk so much about love all the time? And he said, I talk so much about it because you haven't gotten it yet. And I'm going to keep talking about it until you get it in your heart. And so we are going to um, actually understand um, what love has got to do with the walk with God. But we're going to talk about it in um, sort of five different segments, breaking up the chapter. So if you're studying the Bible um, along with our Sunday messages and our Sunday series. Um, we're going to go through, um, at least when I'm preaching, one um, chapter at a time, going through the epistle of 1 John. And so you can read ahead if you'd like, you can study if you'd like, and you can actually, if you have an NIV, uh, not an NIV, but a study Bible of any sort, you can um, even get some background context and commentaries that will help you understand what was going on at that time as we bring it into our time and bring application to it. So we're going to break up the series into um, sort of five parts. Um, today, starting with a topic called Love the Light, okay? called Love the Light. What's love got to do with it? God's called us to love the light. The following week that I speak, we're going to talk about the love of God, how to love God. Then we're going to, in the third week, talk about the love of the will of God, okay? There's the love of God, and then there's the love of the will of God. And then finally, we're going to also talk about the love of the truth, and how many people know that in this generation, we need some truth. We need some truth to help establish us in the things of God and the faith. And then finally, we'll um, end up talking about the love of our brother. 
so, and um, sister. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started with the love of the light today. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness uh, towards us today. Jesus, we thank you that through your life, your sinless life, your miracles on the earth, your sacrificial death, your resurrection from the dead, and even through your outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that God, you've given us the ability to come out of darkness and into the light. And God, we're asking that as we preach your word today, that you would open our hearts, that you would help to illuminate our spirits, that we'd be able to walk in the light as we leave this place, and it would lead to freedom in you from sin, from darkness, from all the things that would try to take us out and bring us instead into the purposes of God for our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so images are great. So two images I wanted to give to you um, to um, help stamp this message home. The first one is just um, the theme of today's uh, message, which is um, somebody actually walking into the light. You know, we're all, uh, do we have the images ready? Yeah. So basically we're all in an environment where we're surrounded by darkness. You can feel it at some times. It's tangible at times. You hear it um, through the messages, as we've spoken about, that are portrayed to you, whether through social media, entertainment, or even in your workplace. Sometimes even the environments we live in in our homes are full of darkness, but God's calling us into his glorious light in Jesus Christ, and that's good news. Unfortunately, there's another image that um, often even uh, presents itself as uh, Christians, what they look like when they remain in the darkness. Let's um, throw up that other image. (laughs) Unfortunately, when we love the darkness, you know what I mean? We can end up looking like this and responding like this. We get all bug-eyed and googly-eyed and say, you know what, God wants to call me into something else, but I'm, um, you know, eating some raw fish on my you know, on the side. So anyway, going back to 1 John, what we see is that that's the image to um, take home with you. What we see is that um, to explain to you what 1 John is all about if you're not, if you haven't grown up in a Christian home. John was one of Jesus' first 12 apostles, okay? We see him um, um, being called out of a life of being a fisherman when Jesus was a part of his earthly ministry. He was one of Jesus' 12 apostles who basically reshaped the Roman Empire, set the foundation for Christianity in the modern world and actually preach the gospel amongst the pagan world in the time of Christ and the decades that immediately followed it. When you look at the New Testament, you have the gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you also have the book of Acts, which is one of the earliest written accounts of the history of the church. And after the book of Acts, what you have are what are called the epistles. And the epistles are nothing more than letters that are written by the apostles to the churches that were being formed in those, um, in, during those periods of time to address certain issues and matters that were actually going on in the church and in the environment in which they lived, where they, the apostles were instructing the people how to live for Jesus in the midst of an environment that did not know God and did not necessarily love him. And so one of the things that um, um, John is writing about, and we'll get more into this, and he's addressing, we'll get more into this in the uh, subsequent weeks, is he's having to address an issue called Gnosticism, okay, which was basically a heresy during that time that exalted all things of the immaterial world, meaning the spirit, and it said that all things of the flesh or the material world were evil. And so it created this weird
weird dichotomy where it said almost it was esoteric, where it's almost like anything that was created that was physical was meant to be rejected because it was bad, while all things that were of the spirit or immaterial were good. But how many people know that everything that God created was meant to be good if it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer? That's what the Apostle Paul said, right? So John's having to write to this um, ideology. He's having to write to this um, um, way of thinking and um, bring the people, the church, into the light by first helping them to understand a love for the light. So if you have a Bible today, let's open to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to start in verses 1 through 10, which is the entire chapter, and then we're going to break down the benefits of loving the light into four parts today, okay? If you're taking notes and you'd like to uh, track along, it's going to be the four benefits of the light, which includes fellowship with one another. Number two, fellowship with God. Number three, freedom from sin. This is Independence Day weekend, right? Woo-woo! So we're going to talk about freedom from sin. And also, number four, freedom from deception. Okay? So number one, fellowship with one another. Number two, fellowship with God. Number three, freedom from sin. And then number four, freedom from deception. 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. He says this, We announce to you what existed from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have seen and our hands handled, about the word of life. The life was revealed, and we have seen, and we testify and announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also announce it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy can be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. If we claim we have fellowship with him, and live in the darkness, we are lying and do not act truthfully. But if we live in the light, in the same way as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. If we claim we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything we've done wrong. And how many people could say hallelujah to that? Okay. If we claim we have never sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay. So all of a sudden, you start with this mouthful that John begins with in the introduction here, saying, we announce to you what existed from the beginning. And it's talking about the very nature of God, right? We believe that God is eternal. We know that also God is Trinitarian, meaning that there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit, right? The Godhead Trinity, one God, three persons. And what we see is that God himself is expressing himself through his son, and he's saying, we've announced to you, we're announcing to you the gospel we preach is about the one who's been from the beginning. Whenever you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about the eternal God. You're talking about the one when in Genesis, he was hovering over the waters. You see the spirit of God hovering over the waters, and there was darkness there. It was formless, void, and empty, and he said, let us do what? Make man in 
our image, right? And so in the image of God was humanity made. We're made different than the beasts of the field. We're made different than the plants that surround us and that we feed upon. We are made in the image of God. So even humanity has a special place in God's design and God's creation. But it was all made, as John said in his gospel, not only by God the Father, but nothing that we see around us was made except through the eternal one, Jesus Christ. So that means that everything that we see that was made was made by, him, by God the Father and through his son Jesus. And when John's talking about Jesus, he's talking about the one who's from the beginning. But he said it's not just this esoteric spiritual thing. A lot of times no, there are no demands placed on our relationship with God if we only reduce it to a philosophy or to a spiritual entity, right? It's sort of like if it's just a philosophy, I can pick and choose whenever I choose to follow God or whenever I choose to obey him. But if he's a real person who's actually come in the flesh, then something is demanded of me because what's demanded of me is relationship. Relationship with a real person who's made himself manifest and walked amongst us. And this is what John the Apostle is saying. Listen, we've heard him. We've seen him. Verse 1, with our eyes. And what we've seen and our hands have handled, meaning we've actually touched him in the flesh, right? Jesus came. He's, we're proclaiming to you the word of life. Whenever John was writing his gospel in um, John chapter 1, he said it this way. He said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then you go down a few verses later, and he says, the word became flesh. And so all of a sudden, you're seeing that the very logos, that word that was used in the Greek for the word, was the word logos, and the logos actually put on flesh and dwelt amongst us. He walked amongst us. And that word logos was the intelligence of God, the matters of God. It actually summarized the meaning of life in Greek culture. He's saying basically this meaning of life came and expressed himself in the flesh. We've seen him. We've listened to him. We've watched his life. We've interacted with him. We've touched it so much so that when he proclaims he's the light of the world and that nobody who chooses to follow him will walk in darkness but will have the light of life, we've seen it with our own eyes. The way that he's telling us to live, we've seen it and it's a better way. And we're telling you, we've actually handled him with our own hands, not only before his crucifixion, but after, right? The, uh, even doubting Thomas, God was so merciful to him. He said, listen, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Put your hands in my side. You can see in the flesh, I had a bodily resurrection. I'm the one that they pierced in the heart. Look at my wrist. There's where the nails went to nail me to that cross to take the punishment that humanity deserves because of their rebellion against God. But now because of my sinless life, I'm resurrected and I'm walking amongst you. I'm going to ascend on high into heaven, but you're going to be a witness of me so that the world might go free even as you're free. This is what he's proclaiming. He's saying, I'm giving you testimony of the word of life. The life was revealed and we have seen and we testify and announce to you the eternal life. That's what people want, right? Remember in your history books, Ponce de Leon? Anybody remember Ponce de Leon in your uh, history books? Okay. What was he searching for? 
the fountain of youth, right? The elixir of life. What are people at Ulta Salon looking for? <laughs> they are looking for the fountain of youth and the elixir of life, right? Everybody's trying to get a hold of eternal life, but he's saying, I'm proclaiming to you where it's found. It's found in this manifest word of God, the eternal life in the Son of God, okay? So all of a sudden he's saying, this is what I'm proclaiming to you, but when we proclaiming to you, number one, what the benefits are is that we're calling you into the light, right? Whenever you're walking in darkness, that basically means you don't know what's going on. And all of us at some point in life have been walking in darkness. We've all bounced around wondering why life is going the way that it's going. Anybody ever wonder why you had the issues that you had? I mean, you just had certain patterns in your life that you repeated over and over again, and it led to trouble relationally. It led to trouble financially. It led to trouble in your family life. And you're saying, wait a minute, I don't understand why things are going the way that they are. But all of a sudden, when you come to Jesus, lights are turned on, and then you're able to at least contextualize why life is going in the direction that it is. When it's um, actually walked out in darkness, it leads to death. But whenever Jesus calls us to repent and believe the good news, he's leading us into life. And the fellowship that, um, that the apostle John is proclaiming is he saying, hey, listen, I'm proclaiming Jesus to you so we can have fellowship with one another in the midst of turning from darkness because there's plenty of fellowship going to the ways of darkness, is there not? And I would present to you today that it's the easier way, is it not? He said it's easier to be full of lust. It's easier to be full of greed. It's easier to be full of hatred and discord and envy. And you can find plenty of fellowship there, right? And the word fellowship in the Bible means a shared life. I'm sharing in the experience of bitterness that surrounds me in the world until I repent, change my mind, and go in a different direction through the preaching of the testimony of this Jesus. And then I find a new fellowship. And the new fellowship that I have is with people who it may be more difficult, right, to actually walk in the way of light, but at least I have people on my right and on my left who are encouraging me to do so, right? They're encouraging me to do so. When um, the Apostle John is saying, I'm proclaiming to, him, to you so that, number one, our joy can be complete, but that you can also have fellowship with us, he's saying, I'm calling you into a shared life of freedom so that you can actually not live the destructive way that maybe your family did before you. You don't have to live the destructive way that the culture that surrounds you who are in fellowship with one another are headed towards and ultimately will lead to judgment. He's saying, I'm calling you into fellowship with us. This is the point of even church, right? It's not that you just show up here every Sunday, go through a few songs, listen to a quick message, and then go home not thinking about God the rest of the week. It's to bring you, like Billy was just talking about, into godly fellowship, a shared life where the people on your right and on your left, you're like, let's do this together because we're both serving Jesus and it's not going to be easy. Can anybody say amen to that? Okay, and if you didn't say amen yet, you may not have tried yet, okay? It's sort of like, it's like we need one another, right? I need somebody calling me. I thank God for Cole saying, listen, if I'm like even just like halfway not smiling, he's like, Roland, you okay? And I'm like, Cole, I'm fine. You know what? But I'm going to tell you what, I appreciate it because sometimes I say I'm fine and I'm not fine. Anybody ever been there before? 
and I'll have a brother who presses and says, I love it. He says, no, really. Has anybody ever gotten a no, really from Cole? Okay. Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, really, no, really. And I'm like, all right, fine. Here's the real deal, right? It's been hard this week to love God. It's been hard this week to forgive people. It's been hard this week to keep preaching. And I need fellowship, a shared life that will hold me up even as I endeavor to hold others up in the midst of the following of Jesus. And that's why Billy's saying, listen, if you haven't found a community group yet, please, that's a practical means to share your life with other people. It's just a practical way, right? How many of you want to, like Corey, get married one day? Okay, I hope so. Okay, listen, listen. It's good. It's lovely. Come on, married folk, yeah? Yeah. It's lovely. But the thing about it is that you want to have somebody who's in fellowship with you, right? A shared life, not just cohabitating, but they're in your business, right? You want to know. You want your spouse to know what's going on with you. You want your spouse to know how to encourage you, how to lift you up. You want your spouse to rebuke you when necessary. How many people can say amen to that? You want your spouse to be able to look you in the eye and say, I know you. You might be able to fool everybody else, but you're not fooling anybody around here, <laughs> right? You're not fooling anybody around here. And the thing about it is that's shared life. He's calling you into fellowship. And that's also why, let me tell you, for all of you who want to get married, you need another Christian believer to get married to. Stop all your missionary dating. You need to have fellowship, fellowship with those who are also calling on the name. Just going to get real, all right? <clears throat> Part of the benefits of fellowship is that you'll actually make it in God. You'll, I mean, come on, let me just be real. You'll make it in God. I don't know how many people who've actually prayed prayers before, gone down to an altar, gone through their first confirmation or communion, right? And then years later, they're living like hell. Why? Because they've treated it like an independent faith as if it's a private spirituality, but God never intended it to be that way. He said, when the gospel is preached, you're called into fellowship with other believers so that that is how you walk in the light. And the light represents exposure. It represents um, clarity. It represents the ability to see things clearly. And that's the beauty of fellowship because we all have the opportunity to deceive ourselves sometimes, do we not? And it's other brothers and sisters who come in and bring clarity in that godly fellowship. Number two, number two, fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. That's what it's all about. The only reason I'm going in this order, actually, this is the first and most important thing. I'm only going in the order of how he presented it. He said fellowship with one another through the proclamation of this word, but you also have fellowship with God through living in the light. Let's re um, read this one more time. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim we have fellowship with him and live in the darkness, we are lying and do not act truthfully. But if we live in the light in the same way he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. So what is he saying? He's basically saying that <coughs> light represents righteousness, 
The darkness represents the rejection of God's commands, which he intended to be good and otherwise known as sin, right? And he says, if anybody's claiming to live in fellowship with God, here's the truth of the matter. In this culture in which we live, just like in John's culture in which he lived, there will be people who are claiming to live in fellowship with God, but are lying about it. They're lying to themselves and they're lying to others. The question is, how do we know? He says, you know because God is light. He said, I'm the standard for it all. A lot of times people try to justify their walk with God by comparing themselves to other people, right? And he says, they say all of a sudden, I'm not as bad as this person. So because I'm not as bad as this person, I'm obviously a better Christian than them or I'm okay. But the point is, is because it's about fellowship with God, that's what Christianity is ultimately about, right? Fellowship with Christ. And because he's saying, I'm light, and in me there's no darkness at all, he's saying that if you claim to live in him or have fellowship with him, yet live a life of darkness, then you're a liar. I, I love First John because he just makes it plain, right? He's all throughout chapters 1 through 5 calling people liars. Anybody love that? <laughs> He's just like, he's just like, liar, 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 you, liar, okay, you, liar, okay? He's just like, listen, I want to make this plain to you so you're not deceived. God is light. And here's the point. How many people know you become like your company? You become like the company that you keep. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, don't let anybody mislead you. Bad company corrupts good character. If your only fellowship is bad company, I'm not talking about being with them to reach them for Jesus, but I'm talking about that's who you cling to. That's where your allegiance is. That's who you identify with. If you only identify with people who don't love God, then eventually you'll become like them, right? Because it's a lot easier for people to pull you down than for you to pull them up. Isn't that right? But here's the other thing. On the converse, on the opposite side, he's saying you will also become like who you surround yourself with if you surround yourself with people who love God. And here's the beauty of it. If you're spending time with God himself through worship, through prayer, through his word, his unadulterated word, then guess who you're going to become like? God! Right? Because guess who's not going to change? God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his character will remain the same forever. His love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his goodness, but his righteousness. He said, I'm going to remain the same. In me is no darkness at all. And if you have fellowship with me, guess what? You're going to become like me. But if you do not spend time with me, if you don't have fellowship with me, if you only are giving lip service to me, what's going to come out of you is the darkness that surrounds you. Make sense? He's saying, I'm calling you into fellowship with my son. In me, there's no darkness at all, so I'm calling you. Get in that word. Get in prayer. Get in Christian community. Get into a place of worship where daily your life is being sung in a song of praise to God, where your life becomes a living sacrifice to him, right? Get some iTunes, right? Come on, get on Spotify. Get on Pandora. It doesn't matter. Just pick the only Christian artist you know and let it play on repeat. 
They'll give you variety with Pandora, right? We have so many tools available to us now. You don't even have to buy it. You have to sit through a few commercials, but you know, you can go like, listen to the commercial, say, I'm not going to buy that, and then worship again. <laughs> He's made it all available to us. He says, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Do not be a liar. And if you've been a liar up to this point, deceiving yourself, now is your time to repent. Now is your time to repent of deceiving yourself, being a liar, being a false Christian, and turning your life wholeheartedly over to him. Why? So that you might actually have fellowship with him, real relationship with him, a shared life with him. And as a result, become like him. Okay? Second benefit. Number three, freedom from sin. That's what we just read again, right? When you're in fellowship with him, you have freedom from sin. Let me me say that one more time. Freedom from sin. So many of us have been used to this idea of just going to God over and over again, asking for forgiveness, but never expecting to be delivered from the thing we're asking for forgiveness for. And how does that make any sense? He said, I died not only for your forgiveness, but for your freedom. For your freedom from sin. So you'll actually have power over it. Isn't that what Jesus said? John chapter 8, right? We're focusing on John, the one whom Jesus loved, laying back on his chest at the Last Supper, right? He knew something about Jesus. And he said, listen, anyone who sins, this is what he said in John 8, is a slave to sin. Is a slave to sin. Anyone who practices sin habitually is a slave to it. Couldn't even help yourself. Anybody remember before you came to Jesus, making all those New Year's resolutions? Talking about, I'm going to be a better man this year. Be a better woman, you know. And then breaking them a week or two later because you were a slave all those bad habits, right? Because you're a slave before Jesus. But he said, but here's the good news. But if anyone chooses to obey my teaching, they will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. Set them free. Set them free. Not a bumper sticker, gospel. <laughs> right? It doesn't just sound good. It is true. He said, if anyone chooses to obey my teaching, you will know the truth. And that's powerful because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. So he's saying, I will set you free. I'm the truth. I'll set you free if you're in fellowship with me. I'll flex and I'll break those yokes and I'll break those chains that have your heart bound. I will set you free so you no longer have to be subject to sexual immorality. You no longer have to be subject to lying and deceiving and bitterness and lack of forgiveness in your heart. He says, I'll set you free and show you how to be a different man or a different woman live a different way. Why? Because he says when this gospel is proclaimed, he says we have, if we claim we have fellowship with him, we can um, actually have it. And if we live in the light the same way as he's in the light, 
we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. Cleanses us. Now I love, I love uh, Chicago, but I, I personally, I'll, I'll tell you like my little dirty secret. I, I love Chicago when it's cold. I know you might want to stone me, but yeah, no, come on now. <laughs> I know, it's sort of, I'm not trying to call it forth, but I'm like, come back. You know, I, I, I just don't like sweating. <laughs> I don't. I don't like walking outside after I've taken a shower and feeling like I need to go right back in. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like scrub-a-dub-dub. It's like I just feel like I need to walk around with a like, faucet over me. But the point is, the point is, have you come in, no matter how much perfume or how much uh, cologne you put on at the beginning of the day, come home at the end of a long Chicago summer day and, you know, smell the uptown funk on you? You're like, uptown funk gonna give it to you. Uptown funk gonna give it to you. Don't believe me, just watch. Okay, anyway, the point is, the point is, is that you wanna take a bath, right? You won't get purified. What's the blood of Jesus for? He purifies you. He cleanses you. First of all, in Revelation, he says that we were estranged from God, and because of his holiness, his goodness, his purity, it's like oil and water, right? They don't mix. Because of his purity, we can't even approach him except through the covering of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus enables us to be cleansed and be brought near to him because it's a cleansing agent for you. But it's not only an external cleansing agent for you, so that when God looks at you as you've submitted to Christ, you're able to actually be seen through his righteousness rather than your former wickedness. He says, what I'm actually also doing is I'm cleansing you internally. And how many people know that you need that too? A internal cleansing, a washing over your mind, all those images that shouldn't be there right? All those ambitions that shouldn't have been there driving you in the past. You come to repentance and he begins to wash those and purify those to set you free from those. All that angst and anxiety and that hatred towards family members or friends who did you wrong. All of a sudden he begins to purify those things as you give up. Your, um, you put your hands in there and say, I'm submitting to you. He said, my blood purifies you. Number one, so you can have that fellowship with God, but number two, so you could have freedom from the things that held you bound even internally in your mind and in your heart. And for those of you who've been exposed to images after images that just feel like they contaminate you, here's the good news I tell the men all the time. He says this, he says he wipes away in Psalms, he wipes away even the memory of the wicked from the earth. That's part of his promise, that he can renew your mind, he can renew your heart. And I can wipe and clench, purify is the operative word. I can purify those images that are keeping you at a distance from him, at a distance from your spouse, at a distance from the one who would be. You hear me? Good news. And then finally, after we've understood fellowship with one another, fellowship with God and freedom from sin, we also have freedom from deception. Freedom from deception, okay? He says, if we claim we don't have any sin, and that's the temptation after you've walked with God for any period of time, right? Sort of like, <laughs> also not, yeah, 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 I don't sin anymore. I actually had a friend say that to me before. <laughs> and I was like, liar. <laughs> 
sinner right there. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about that one. So, uh, so he says, if we claim we have not sinned, and here, here's, the, here's the truth of the matter. The sins start, whenever we come to Jesus, it starts with the big things, right? It starts with the big things, the things that even society would look at and say, ah, that's wrong, <laughs> right? Even a godless society would say, ah, no, no good, right? If you treat... Uh, if you treat children poorly, even society will say, no, that's not good, right? Rape, murder, all those things, right? Those are just big things that the society says, no, uh, uh, even there, no good. But then when you come to Jesus, you start fellowshipping with him. It's not the big things. The big things you, are the things you give up at first, right? But then the closer that you get to him, the more clearly you see him, And then all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. The things that I got to pass on before from society, all of a sudden, those are the things that in his love for me, he's putting his finger on. Because he's saying it's the little foxes, according to the Song of Solomon, it's the little foxes that come in and ruin the vineyard. He said it was an allegory between himself and his church, and he, he's saying, listen, there's obviously Solomon and his beloved, his uh, lover, but he's also saying it's an, an allegory, and he's saying, listen, it's the little foxes that will come in and destroy this fellowship. And I want that too. And oftentimes, in regards to those little foxes, it's deception that will keep us from addressing them. Because we won't call them sin, and we won't say that they're bad, as bad as they actually are, right? Because why? Everyone else is doing it. That's our out, right? Because everyone else is agreeing with certain ideologies. That's just the way we should go too, right? Especially in this city, right? Because everybody else is practicing this or engaging in this type of entertainment, it's fine for me too but that's deception. That's deception. He's saying sin is sin no matter what package it comes in. And what he's saying is when you have fellowship with him, the closer you get towards him, the more holy you see him, then all of a sudden he begins to expose what's deception so that we can actually call sin, sin, not deny that we're actually participating in it, falling short of his glory. And that's what sin basically is, right? Sin defined by the Bible as falling short of the glory of God. The word classically meant to miss the mark. So God has a design for your life, for your relationships, for your marriage, for your finances, for your career and your calling. And falling short of his mark is sin. And whenever we claim that we have not sinned, we excuse it because we only want to identify the big things, then we actually miss the mark far often than we'd like. But if we say sin is actually missing the mark and actually can admit, you know, even having walked with him for a period of time, there is sin in my life that I need to be cleansed of, then we can go to him, not be deceived, and allow him to work in our hearts calling us up into the high calling for which Jesus laid hold of us. Let me just switch um, apostles real quick. Okay, we've been talking about John, but I'm going to end with one other, okay? The apostle John was the one who walked with Jesus, right? <clears throat> the apostle Paul was the one who came after and started off as a persecutor of the church. <laughs> Does that give anybody encouragement? 
It gives me encouragement because I used to be a mocker. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, if Paul can be forgiven, I can too. Okay? Here's the thing that Paul said. How many people believe that Paul was walking in fellowship with God? <laughs> Walked in fellowship with Christ had good relationship and even outflow and output from him. He wrote three-fourths by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, three-fourths of the New Testament letters, okay? That's what Paul did, as well as establishing churches all throughout the Roman world. And this is what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. He said, after doing all of these things, not that I have consider myself yet to already have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind... This is the gospel, amen? <laughs> Forgetting what's behind, meaning that missing of the mark yesterday, that blunder or even that transgression, which we defined as knowing what you should do and doing what's wrong anyway. He said, forgetting what's behind and straining. I love the word straining. You know why? Because it speaks of effort, Christians. It speaks of effort, we oftentimes just think that the things of God will fall into our laps, and we call that grace. But the grace of God, according to Titus, enables us and empowers us to do, put forth effort and say no to ungodliness. And yes to righteousness. So Paul was saying, I'm employing that grace and I'm saying yes, and I'm straining toward that which is ahead. I'm straining toward that for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So that means whatever you are satisfied with, you've got to compare it to what Jesus laid hold of you for. If you would look at it and compare the two, is Jesus satisfied with it? Not are you satisfied with it, not is culture satisfied with it, but is Jesus satisfied with the way you're living? And if not, it's sin. And he says, I'm cleansing you of it. If you come to me and have fellowship with me, my blood will clean you, and then I'll call you up again. I'll make sure you're not living in deception. I'll get rid of all that idolatry. I'll get rid of all that shame. And I'll call you into the high word, high upward calling that I have for you in Christ Jesus. How? Through the same gospel I preached to you from the beginning. His cross taking the punishment for our sin. His resurrection giving us forgiveness of sin, but also new life with the promise of latter ascension in him. Isn't that what the gospel says? that one day we too shall rise with him. Okay, everybody read First and Second Thessalonians. That's your homework this week. Okay, we all rise with him. He says, I'm calling you, calling you into this. If you claim you're without sin, then you deceive yourself. But what he's saying is if you love the light, you'll be freed of deception too. And understand that wherever you are now, he's got more for you. And you need to, choose to have a hunger choose to have a hunger for the things of God you understand what I mean by choose to have a hunger how many people like eating healthy in here okay maybe a third of you <laughs> okay and the rest of you guess what meaning including me need to choose to have a hunger for the right things right the things that are going to give life and not a quick and speedy but tasty death <laughs> right he says, choose to be hungry. Choose to be hungry. That's why Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. Why? Because they will be filled. You'll be filled when you love the light. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness towards us today. God, we thank you that you clearly express to us who you are. That God Almighty, you are light and in you there is no darkness at all. Through the proclamation of your gospel and your perfect son, Father, we thank you that you call us into fellowship with one another. You call us into fellowship with yourself. You call us into freedom from sin. You call us into freedom even from deception when we're living in sin but would not like to. God, we're praying that you would give us in our worship now a moment with you, a moment with you where we could take this word, apply faith to it, and leave this place transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's have our worship team come on back.